Greetings and hook em. Welcome in. Coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, overlooking downtown Austin, as always, and the University of Texas. There's the UT Tower right there in the distance. You can't see it, but I can. Welcome to the weekly broadcast, now bi-weekly broadcast, that understands the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid of the week. It's the Eyes on Texas multicast. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, also the Horn and Austin YouTube page. We are powered by our presenting partners at Grande Equipment. I am Aaron Hogan, morning show host at the Horn here in Austin, 25 years here in the ATX. He is a lifelong Austinite as well, senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, our great friend Mike Craven. And Mike, this is why we did this show, to start it back yeah. in April, right ahead of spring practice, to talk about the Longhorns on Mondays and weeks like this with the uh, thrilling statement win at Alabama. Smells like the old days. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was joking with Nolan. He doesn't know what those smell like, you know, and so um, – you know, it, it it was one of the more impressive performances we've seen in a long time uh, for the University of Texas football team, and they kind of beat Alabama the way Alabama usually beats teams, and I think that's a good sign for the future of the University of Texas. No question, no question. We are the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. Uh, we call it the multicast because it's available to watch weekly. You can watch it, as we say, on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel, which is becoming and blowing up the YouTube opportunities to be on camera. Uh, Nolan's our digital editor. My son, Nolan Hogan, Griffin Hogan, our executive producer, will splice this thing together. We've got highlights, Sark commentary, conversation about this game. We'll recap it like no other. Whether you were watching on your couch or watching in Tuscaloosa, and the Longhorn fans certainly represented uh, in T-Town, uh, it is uh, how you're going to watch it. You can also listen and available for download through iTunes and Spotify. You'll hear all the highlights and hear all the commentary in Sark Town. That's fine, too. It's also available at hornfm.com's YouTube page as well. You can also follow our show on social media. That's where you're going to keep up with the very latest on Twitter at EyesOnTexasFB, on Instagram at EyesOnTexasPod, and on Facebook, we're live at EyesOnTexasPod podcast uh and it's uh, a big opportunity before we start let me thank our presenting partner at grande equipment this couldn't happen without wes murray and his team wes was there actually in alabama with his wife and team and uh, group they had a great time they uh saw a picture with paul feinbaum and cdc they were having a great old time they are great longhorns and he's a great partner if you have a uh, a project large or small and need heavy equipment or equipment of any kind grande equipment is the call every time they're rep they, they know your reputation and your but your timeline is all you have when you have a project, you got to get it done and get it done on budget and on time. They partner with you every time to make sure you have the equipment you need, job site ready and ready to go. 31 years they've operated this way, and so that's why they've grown like they have. Whatever the piece of equipment is, they'll get it to you. And they're independent, so they're not locked in. A lot of uh, equipment uh, companies are locked in with one brand name. They're, that's just how they operate, not Grande. They're capable of getting whatever you need. They get you Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, Volvo, and more. Heavy equipment sales and rentals. Uh, that's Grande Equipment. They also now have a new renewable energy sector, which is blowing up. They're supporting solar projects all over the country, specializing in pile driver applications, both new and used equipment, uh, capability of renting in statewide and nationally. Grande Equipment, your international independent dealer. They're small and nimble and locally owned, but they play in the big leagues in a big way. It's GrandeEquipment.com. Remember, Grande doesn't overpromise. They over deliver. Kind of like the Longhorns this past weekend. They talked a lot, they thought they were good, and they delivered. Let's get it going. We break the Eyes on Texas, the EOT, into four quarters each episode like a football game, plus a halftime where we'll talk some Longhorn recruiting coming up. But in the second quarter, it's our deep dive micro discussion of the huge win at Alabama. Um, 
we'll also talk about that game plan, the fourth quarter dominance, the trick plays, the young dudes on both sides stepping up in a big way. At halftime, it's all things Longhorns in the NFL and some recruiting talk of how big and seismic this win can be for the Longhorns on the recruiting front. In our third quarter, we'll talk about the now and moving forward for Texas, how to take what happened in Tuscaloosa and make it uh, take it to an, a special season not just one single huge win. And in the fourth quarter, it's our final four, the four big debates and questions coming out of the uh, second or third big weekend of college football. We'll also get into Mike Craven's trip to Lubbock and a wild one between Oregon and Texas Tech. Wow, what a game. Uh, Longhorns are thriving. The rest of the state of Texas is struggling right now. We'll talk about that. But let's kick off our first quarter with uh, and presented by my new pearly white smile and teeth. Thanks to my friend Dr. Greg Eckert online at DrEckert.com. You see it, Mike? You yeah. like to... Total teeth restoration took one day. I was in there for one afternoon. There was some uh, testing and, you know, some get ready for it kind of mm-hmm. things, laying the groundwork. But, man, I went in there right after the show. Show ends at 11 o'clock here in Austin. Was in the chair by, by 11.45 and left by 5 o'clock with a brand-new smile. And I love it. It looks good. Uh, pearly whites back to when, uh, what they're supposed to look like, which is exciting. And I'll tell you how you can get your teeth restored and get that confidence back with Dr. Greg Eckert. He brings us our second. I'll be smiling a lot, Mike. And Longhorn fans are smiling yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's a good week for it. It is. It is. Well, let's talk about the win. The game, how it happened, what it means. Texas wins 34-24. Uh, you know, they led 13-6 at halftime, but felt like it should have been more. Mm-hmm. Felt like an Xavier Worthy dropped touchdown pass. A Jonathan Brooks potentially dropped touchdown pass. Uh, they were up 13-6, and you're thinking, man, uh, we should have more on the board here. Uh, let's see some highlights from how the first half played out. But it was pretty clear, much like last year's game, the Longhorns were not intimidated by the moment. They were going to stand toe-to-toe. Uh, Sark was going into attack mode with his game plan, getting Quinn Ewers involved and getting Quinn comfortable. Uh, the first big play of the game that set up a Longhorn field goal that should have been a touchdown was Jade Barron, Mr. Big Play, with a pick that set up the first Longhorn points of the night. Gets it out quickly, but makes a pick. It's intercepted. Jaday Barron makes the kind of takeaway Texas needed and the kind of mistake. All right, so Jaday Barron from Pflugerville, Texas. That guy's become a big play player, Mike. Yeah, hopefully getting a big interception in a game like this kind of gets him the respect he deserves. He, he should be an all-Big 12 conference preseason type guy. I mean, he arguably their best secondary player. He does everything well. Um, always in on the big plays. It feels like he's always not only making turnovers, but turning those turnovers into into big plays, into touchdowns. They obviously scored a couple uh, last year. So one of the better, better plays, players on the defense, and you knew if they could turn over Jalen Milrow and get into his head a little bit early on in the game, uh, they were going to be okay defensively. It felt like a big play needed, was needed early, and they got it. They did. And uh, we'll talk about when we drill down on the micro side of it. We're doing macro in the first quarter, micro in the second, kind of the big picture of this game. But, yes, the, 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 they forced Jalen Milrow. They, they forced the offense to become Jalen Milrow-centric. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have – they took away the run game. Uh, they gave up a couple of big chunk plays, but really thought the Texas defense dominated for most of the night. We'll talk about that here from Sark's thoughts on it. But also in the first half, you know, after setting it up, this is where the, uh, the, the Sark script is so on point, man. Short, intermediate passing game, quick tempo, uh, different for, you know personnel groups had, had Alabama on their heels, and it was pretty clear from the first couple of drives to, to Nick Saban that it was going to be that short, intermediate route. They weren't going to go for the deep ball, sucked up the safeties to try to 
to flood the uh, you know the 20 yards from the line of scrimmage, and that's when the deep balls came. Three on one drive. Um, you know, one of them was a, a double pass, and we're gonna hear Sark coming up talking about trick plays and how he's empowered this this team to come up with their own trick plays that they can you know feel like they're 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 coming up with. But the you know the the the, the deep bombs, and then as we talked about last week, the deep bomb, the deep throw problem for Texas. They hit one. Uh, they got uh, Xavier Worthy, much like in the Alamo Bowl last year. They got him in the slot and got him, you know, lined up on a safety in coverage, which is going to be a mismatch. Let's hear it on ABC. Half step. So Texas back in Bama territory. Ewers from the pocket. Now he'll loft one downfield. A ton of air running underneath it. Worthy's got it for a touchdown. Mike, I thought that was a huge play in the game just to – Kind of from release some pressure. We yeah. hit a deep ball. Now Nick Saban's kind of screwed because you can't flood the twenty yard zones. You're going to have to play the whole field after you know spreading it out side to side. Now you hit a vertical. That was a big moment in the game. It's like a guy when he's struggling with his driver and he just like gets one on the fairway and it's like yeah that's right. Like <laughs> that's I, I felt smooth one right. I felt the way like that's how it feels you yeah. know and uh, I would imagine Quinn had a big sigh of relief after that one and it opened everything else up. It did. Uh, but again, 13-6 at half, you, but you felt like it should have been more. Maybe 21-6. to six, Maybe like we're blowing this team off the field. They were in complete control. Then in the third quarter, you got you know the sparring match continues and the chess match continues. All of a sudden, Bama scores 13 unanswered points. They're up 16-13. Mm-hmm. And this was the the question. What is, te- what is everything we've talked about in 20 previous episodes? What will this team do? Will they buckle? Will they wilt? Will they fold to the moment? Or will they rise up? Well, Mike, it's safe to say, uh, you're you're a story writer. You are a writer. That was a story. Texas responded with 14 points in 15 seconds after giving up the lead. Sark, and you'll hear him coming up talking about going on attack mode. He said, I told myself when we get in these moments where maybe we're in a bit of a lull because they hadn't done much in the third quarter, we're going on attack. We're going back to attack. And they did. They went to tempo. They went to some plays that worked. Got a big chunk play to JT Sanders uh, down, you know, 30 or 40-yard play. They rumbled inside the uh, the 5- or 10-yard line, which, you know, that guy's going to be an All-American this year. Brock Bauer's the best tight end. He's the second-best tight end. Mm-hmm. He had a huge game, under, over 100 yards receiving in that game. Jonathan Brooks tied it with the touchdown. Then the huge play by the defense, right? This is where how do you score 14 points in 15 seconds? You go on a quick drive. And then Jaron Thompson, who was beaten on a yeah. long TD earlier when you gave up the lead to, to Jermaine Burton. They did the same thing Texas did. Got their best receiver on a safety by design out of a bunch formation. And all of a sudden, you know, Jaron Thompson, who's not the fastest player on Texas's team, gets caught on Jermaine Burton. He misses the coverage, but steps back up to make a huge play and an interception. Here it was. Play tonight, battling in year three. Bill Rowe, deliver right into the hands of the Longhorn. Intercepted by Jaron Thompson, his second mistake. He steps out inside the 10. That is a... All right, so there it is. Huge play. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's back in the moment. Can you finish it? Can you finish it, Mike? But Jaron Thompson, how about that? The the redemption stories in this game. There were guys who made mistakes like X-Man, guys who missed some plays early that came back and made huge plays in the biggest moments, third into the fourth quarter, final 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's a game Texas used to lose. And by used to, I mean last year and the year before that and the, and the decade before that. And Jaron Thompson would have been a guy who, not him personally, but a, a player on Texas' secondary gives up a big play. Well, he's probably going to give up another one or they're just going to fold. Instead, he comes back. The offense comes back and goes right down the field and scores. And then Jaron Thompson with that interception sets up another score. It was indicative of, of, of Texas overcoming those demons and the things that held them back. The individual players did it. The team did it. The coach did it. 
Uh, and I think everybody showed a level of maturity that all off season long we talked about. That was it. If they, they can show that, it was there. if they can show that in these moments, there's nothing stopping Texas. Well, first pass test or first test pass. Yes. Uh, well, so now your defense gets you off the field after the uh, the touchdown, right? Jaron Thompson leads to the Jonathan Brooks touchdown run. And now you're back up 27-24, but it's still a three-point game on the road at Tuscaloosa. Can your defense make the stop? Uh, well, Texas forced a third down. Texas went to their NASCAR package, they call it, where they put their best pass rushers on the field. And Anthony Hill Jr., the true freshman, number one player in the state, number one player in the nation last year, one of his two sacks on the night. And Sark said this today at the press conference, Mike. Huge play, because if they get even if they get four yards, they probably go for it on fourth down in that spot. Instead, they were backed up. They had to punt the football. Anthony Hill had a huge impact on this game. We'll hear from Sark coming up on him. But man, what a what a sack. What a moment to to and, and Sark said he took the uh the NASCAR package team out to the middle of the field during practice last week and told them, look, there's gonna be a moment in the fourth quarter where it could be the difference in this game, or it will be the difference in this game, where we're going to need you to get a stop, get a sack, get the quarterback on the ground to end the game. Did it right there. Recruiting matters. <laughs> you know, and you saw that all over the field on Saturday. Like, And those guys used to come to Texas and not get developed or not get used properly, or we'd wonder why an Anthony Hill was on the bench the way that we worried, you know, why is Bajon Robinson not getting a bunch of touches? From Cedric Baxter starting to Anthony Hill playing great to Kelvin Banks starting last year at left tackle. Like, if Sark thinks you're one of the best players and you can go help win football games, he puts you on the field. And that's why they're going to continue to recruit well. That's why they've recruited well so far. And it's why they're able to go into Alabama and win those football games, as he's entitled this team to go do that and to go Go be themselves because he's being himself, and you can see it on Saturday. I mean, that was a loose football team that believed that they could win. Go win that. Fo- they didn't hope they could win that football game. They knew that they could go win that and football game. That's why game. they never buckled. Yeah, you got Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy doing the Cotton Eye Joe on the sidelines during a break, and they're <laughs> dancing. They're loose as they can be. They're having a good old time. So Al, uh, Anthony Hill forces the punt, uh, and that led to this: the final nail. Well, the first final nail in the coffin. Quinn Ewers again with the deep ball, this time to A.D. Mitchell, who had two touchdowns on the night. That's all he does in big games is catch touchdowns. The modern-day college football version of Chris Carter. What does he do? He catches touchdowns. Here it was, Quinn to A.D. Mitchell. It's really showing tonight. Ewers from the pocket, launching downfield. Mitchell, touchdown, Texas! Chris Fowler and ABC with the call, and there you're up 34-24. Could you end the game? Uh, they then proceeded to run the final – after another defensive stop, they run the final 7-15 of the game off the clock, Mike. I mean, it's uh, 12 plays, only 34-yard drive, but uh, we'll hear Sark talking about it coming up. It was the coolest part of the game for him. Jonathan Brooks from Hallettsville, all runs, the offensive line. You know, they didn't establish a run game early, but they established it late. Think about that, to be at Alabama – your offensive line gives up zero sacks. You don't turn the football over, and you run the final 7-15 on the clock. And when you get Alabama to jump off sides for the final first down, you genuflect the victory formation to win the game. Statement. Yeah, big statement. And they, did, you know, combined McClellan and Milrow didn't even get to 100 yards rushing. You know, so they they controlled all of those lines of scrimmage. You know, Nick Saban, they're down 10 with seven and a half left to go in the game, and they punt. Not thinking they're not going to get the ball just one time, but they think there's enough time for two possessions. That's why they punted. Yeah, and Texas just ran out the clock like that. That's to why me, they used all their timeouts by the five minute mark. That to me, that was the most impressive part of the game. 
You know, like I can understand why that would be the most satisfying for Sark because that's a hard thing to do. Like it's one thing to establish a run game, but to do it when they know you're trying to do it and to run out the clock, like that's something behind the scenes that Texas has tried to get to since Sark got here. Remember, he couldn't even have a spring game the first time he got here because he didn't have enough offensive linemen. Now they're good enough to go into Tuscaloosa and ice seven and a half minutes off the clock. Like that's that's growth. Like that's everything that you want to see. It is. Well, let's hear from Sark now as we do our macro overview of the Texas 34-24 win, the mega win at Alabama. Uh, Sark on Quinn. Sark on Quinn, yours. Uh, he played a brilliant game. He's the Walter Camp National Player of the Week. He's the Big 12 Player of the Week. He's now, and we'll debate this coming up, he's now third in Vegas and odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he was just spectacular. Didn't turn a football over. He was decisive. He had a couple of series where he kind of looked looked a little bit questionable. But, man, gosh, the fire in the belly, the emotion, Mike, the leadership that he showed, uh, the fun that he had. Let's hear Sark on what he saw from his quarterback, Quinn Ewers, rising to the biggest moment. I thought Quinn was very clear-minded going into the game. I thought he had a really good understanding of what we were going to do and, and why we were trying to do it. I think he assumed his responsibility with a lot of the pre-snap things that we were doing in the ball game, um, which in turn, uh, I, I'm remiss for not mentioning this at the beginning, to go into that environment and to have zero pre-snap penalties, uh, that, that's a credit to our offensive football team. Um, you know, and there was no self-inflicted wounds that way where uh, on the flip side, we kind of saw it for, for the home team. So really, and a lot of that credit I think goes to Quinn. His poise, his composure, how calm he was, uh, I think kind of went throughout the entire offensive football team and everybody felt comfortable because he was. But I think that same feeling led to him being technically sound in the game. I thought his pocket presence was good. Um, like I said, I thought there was a moment there um, late in the second quarter and we were a little bit backed up. There was a play or two where I felt like he got a little bit antsy in the pocket um, and, and a couple errant throws. But again, it's two weeks in a row now where that was the last drive of the first half. We got in the locker room. He kind of got refocused, resettled down, and then went and played a really good second half. So I think that's a lot of real growth that he has shown from last season to this season to kind of recalibrate, recenter himself, and then come out and play a really good second half after maybe not being as sharp as he could be there late in the second quarter. All right, there's Sark. And question answered, is he the guy? Is he the guy, Mike? Uh, Sark said last year when he was struggling as a quarterback, he left him in the game because he needed those moments. He needed to go through, yeah, I could have put Hudson Card in the game, maybe won a couple more games, uh, and the fans would have appreciated that. But he needed that. He needed to be humbled. He needed to understand how hard the game is. And you saw a player rededicated, 20 pounds lighter, haircut cut, and led his team. Led his team. He was He was him on Saturday night. Six of seven for 135 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. And the leadership, as he just said, the, the team was calm because he was calm. You could see, like, I've always wondered, like, what this team thought of Quinn Ewers, you know, especially last year because he kind of seemed to be aloof and a little bit away from the team in a lot of the way that they were celebrating not only the win, but what Quinn, like, when he when he nailed that first deep ball and Christian Jones just lights him up, just picks him up, just so excited. The way that they rallied around, you can tell that he's really become the leader of this football team, one of the faces of this football team, and that that's fun to see as well because it's a young man growing, right? We forget sometimes, 
even if you're a five-star recruit, like you're still a teenager yeah. who's who's going through a lot. And he was at South Lake, and then he's at Ohio State, and now he's at Texas, and that's a hard. That's a hard transition. Pulled a lot of different directions. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of money involved now. Like you got to be an adult, right? Uh, and he weathered that storm. He got through the adversity, and he goes on the road and beats Alabama and has that kind of fourth quarter. I mean, that's got to feel good. Well, and Sark develops quarterbacks, right? He talked about after the game on the field with Holly Rowe about, I trust my coach. My coach said, if you trust me, I'll get you there, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right. The players respond to him. They've talked all offseason. You know, we tried to come up with negative things to talk about all offseason, but the players all said the right thing. We, we, we all like each other. We all love each other. We work for each other. There's no quarterback controversy. Our quarterback room is close and tight. Our whole team is close and tight. Speaking of that, let's hear uh, this one, this cut seven, Nolan. This is on the defensive side, and it starts with him praising Sark, praising Savion Red, who didn't play in the game, but Sark said today played a key role in the game and the defense out of outside of a couple of blown coverages and a couple of blown assignments really controlled Alabama, made it a Jalen Milrow game, which was the game plan, and uh, ended up winning this game by double digits. Here's Sark on Savion Red's impact and the defense. You know, Savion Red played Jalen Milrow all week, and I think that sometimes we don't give enough credit to the to the guys that, that do the scout team work. Uh, everybody on our team's got a role to the team's success. And the job he did last week, I think, was really beneficial for our defense because it's one thing when a quarterback drops back and then scrambles. It's another when it's a guy who's a receiver slash running back, you know, explodes and goes. And we weren't perfect in containing Milrow last week, um, but I think we were a lot better off because of the work that Savion Red did in practice. I think the other thing that the defense did was they took their prep work to the game. And both those interceptions were things that they carried over to the, from practice to the game, and it, and it paid off. You know, that, the coverage that Jade gets the interception on um, was specifically for a couple different route concepts, one of which was the interception that, that he makes the play on. Um, the play by, by Jaron Thompson was, was really good of recognition of the tight ends blocking and then getting out underneath the deep curl route to get the interception. So their awareness but carrying their preparation to the game I, I thought was one of the key components for the defense. All right, defense outstanding. We'll talk more down in our, our Mike and our micro conversation about the stars. But man, offense will get the headlines. Defense and the lines of scrimmage continue to win this game. I mean, you had Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill with huge games. Byron Murphy played a great game. Those two interceptions. They win the turnover battle two to nothing. They win the sacking of the quarterback battle five to zero. Just a complete team victory. I mean, Texas only had 13 points going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. The offense didn't go in there and blow the doors off and just dominate this game. Like, the defense is what won this game, or at least kept them around in time for the offense to then go win this football game. And so, uh, to Sark's point, he's built a team that doesn't need to win just one way. Uh, and and that, that is going to be the thing that helps them navigate this schedule because the offense is going to have days where it's not good. There's going to be some bad weather. Quinn's going to have a bad day. There's going to have some turnovers, right? But if the defense is what we've seen through eight quarters of this football season, they're good enough to weather those games and win with their C-plus, B-plus offense. And that's that's just going to happen over 12 games. Well, And even in Alabama, like we talked about with the Rice game, no matter how, how far they go down on the depth chart defensively, they don't drop. Mm. They don't drop. Uh, Jalen Catalan ended up leaving the, leading the team in tackles. Jalen Ford played a great leadership role right in the middle. He missed an interception at the end of the half that probably 
could have taken three points off the board, but he rarely does that. Uh, the coverage was good on the outside. I mean, it was it was a really good defensive performance. Want to play this one for you though? Uh, Sark talking about his the coolest part of the game. You already said it, Mike. Your biggest p- takeaway was the final seven fourteen of the ball game uh, when it's a ten point game and you do not want to give Alabama life. Uh, they choked the life out of that team. Here's Sark talking about closing out the game on the ground. Twelve plays, thirty four yards. Take a knee. Like. That's that, you know when you play when two really good teams play each other, it's like every NFL game we watch outside of the the Cowboys last night. Okay, I don't know that was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that game. But NFL games always come down to the last possession or two. That that's the way they go. There's so much parity in that league. Um, well, when two really good teams playing college football, generally it's going to come down to a possession or two at the end of the game. And, and your ability when you have the lead to possess the ball and to try to not give it back to them is critical. And that's where your run game has to has to come alive. And um, that was one of the, the coolest moments for me in that uh, we were able to do that. Um, you know, but, but to me, that started two drives before that, where we hit AD for the long touchdown. Um, that... Then our defense takes the field, and they have that third and ten. I had met with that unit. You know, we got different packages. Our NASCAR unit on Thursday, I called them out to the middle of the field, and I left everybody else on the sidelines. I said, this game's going to come down to a third or fourth down, seven plus. And I said, this stop is going to, you're going to win the game on, on, on a stop here. And so you got to start visualizing that and wrapping your brain around that of how that's going to look and how we're going to cover and how we're going to pressure this quarterback. And inevitably it was third and 10. We had really good coverage. It wasn't just a great rush. The coverage was good. We forced the quarterback to hold the ball. And then Anthony Hill gets home for the sack and we forced the punt, you know, because Probably if they get five, six, seven yards, they're going to go for it there. And we force the punt, then we throw the touchdown. And, and so all those things tying it together um, led to 7-14 on the clock and us running it out. So um, I think the messaging is huge. You know, like, like everything in coaching, you get what you emphasize. Um, and we've been emphasizing it. And then those reminders along the way, right? We can't say it one day and not say it for another week. We got we to keep preaching the message. Um, and then the players can start to spread that message. And Quinn's, Quinn's one of the you know, vocal leaders that way that can do that. All right, there he is, our reference. He would tell you about the NASCAR package, and he certainly did. Uh, closing out the game on the ground, that's, that's shades of the good old days, Mike. That was big time. That, I mean, to genuflect on the field at Alabama, you saw if you saw the video of it when, when the Alabama player jumped off sides and it was clear that was going to be the game. Uh, the first person to jump in and give a high five to Sark was Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines. Uh, it was just a moment. It was just like, okay, I don't say we're back because I won't use the phrase we're back. They put themselves in an opportunity to have a special season, and this team's got some special sauce in it. And, you know, when they say they're back, like, I don't remember Texas just physically dominating SEC teams like that, right? Like, I mean, they outskilled a few teams, like, Vince Young's days, like they had really good offensive line and defensive lines, but they won those games because their quarterback was dynamic and they had skill position players and the defense was good. Secondary was great. Like they, like they punked Alabama. Like I mean, you watch some of those clips. Like Cole Hudson's like bullying people. DJ Campbell's throwing everybody out of the way, including AD Mitchell in that final Jonathan Brooks touchdown where he's like he like pancakes two Alabama players. Like Mitchell touches them, he thinks it's another guy, and he like goes to like pan. Like they out physicaled Alabama in a way that just they talk they got him to tap out and that's what Alabama did 
to so to, many people. To, to so many and they teams, won all three right? phases against Alabama. And right? I think this is going to be one of those things. And like we could look, Texas could go nine and three, ten and two, be disappointing. We look back at this thing as an aberration, but. I think it's the other possibility, maybe the the larger possibility, as we look back at this thing in two, three, four years and say this is the turning point of Texas football and when it kind of broke that curse from the Colt McCoy thing and it's fitting uh, that maybe beating Alabama is kind of what puts that in the rearview mirror and starts a new chapter for this program. But I always like how Sark puts it in perspective. The, the, The big drive was built by previous plays, right? And, you know, I do believe, as frustrating as last year was, they kind of needed last year. Quinn needed those bad moments. This team needed to have their heart broken because of their mistakes and Sark's mistakes. And, you know, that leads to the galvanizing. Mm -hmm. That, okay, we're in this. We understand. We screwed up the Baylor game or the uh, Texas Tech game last year. We screwed up the Oklahoma State game. We, everybody, Sark included, uh, we screwed that up. Uh, We'll fix it. And it feels like they're going to fix it because, you know, and this is why I wanted to play this uh, final cut from Sark here about the emotional night. Sark is a redemption story. Sark was the it coach. Sark was offered a head coaching job in the NFL when he was 30 years old. Um, We know he had his downfall at USC. He had his dream job, and he let it get away because of his own battles. You've had those battles with substance abuse. Yep. Uh, It derailed his career, and he didn't know if he'd ever work again. Uh, He was an it coach who is now 40 years old and didn't know what he was going to do. Nick Saban, Brought him as an in as, a, as an analyst, and you'll hear Sark here talking about this. Saved his life on a, on a, in a couple of ways. Gave him an avenue back to football, and you know what we we found out this past week is that he had open heart surgery while he was at Alabama, because Sark, Nick Saban demands that each of his assistant coaches takes as a it takes a rigorous yearly physical uh, that is a stress test essentially, mm-hmm. and they found a problem with Sark's heart while he was in Tuscaloosa. He had open heart surgery, or he would have died. It would have been a widowmaker situation for Sark, and that so there's a lot of emotion to to get pulled up and and helped out by a guy like Nick Saban who believed in you, gave you the opportunity twice, once as an analyst, then brought you back from the NFL as the offensive coordinator, and then literally saved your life. Let's hear Sark talking about the emotions of the night in Tuscaloosa, not just that his team achieved what they had set their eyes on, but the the the, the feelings he had gushing through him after that victory. Special, you know. Um, shoot, the last time I was on that field, I was a uh, acting head coach. Coach Saban was out with COVID. It was the Iron Bowl against against Auburn. So to go all the way around, full circle, to some really great moments there, and and some really special people there at that university. Um, and then I, you know, I turned around and there was there was my son right there on the field, and our fans were there, and my wife was there, and trainers from Alabama and doctors from Alabama were there and obviously had just had a moment with Coach Saban. Uh, you know, so in sports, you know, a lot of times we, we get, we don't take it all in. And, and then you look back and you're like, man, I wish I would have. And so you just tried to take a moment to, to take it all in. You know, I tried to, I got to go in the locker room and put a cigar in my mouth and take a picture with my son. I mean, who would ever thought that would have happened, right, 10, 15 years ago? So it was all these little things that along the way that I just didn't want to make sure that I that I didn't miss and want to make sure that I got a chance to get to a lot of people at Alabama, the people that work at the stadium, to, to tell them thank you because when you leave after a bowl game, a lot of times you're going to come back. And so I just try to take those few moments with a lot of people, as many people as I could to do that. All right, Mike, pretty awesome right there. I mean, you know, the more we get to be around Sark, you've covered a lot of coaches. He's a classy guy. Mm-hmm. He appreciates where he's at, right? Whatever. He, to me, having covered a lot of coaches, some that I thought were a little bit phony and maybe a little bit, uh, um, you know, whatever the issues were, 
this is a genuine dude. Maybe he wasn't before. I didn't know him before. But I think he that's is a genuine point. person. I think that's the point. Is like Sark is a guy that we're seeing kind of grow into his own in real time. And he had to do it publicly. Face Like you mentioned, a lot of guys get to grow up in the business and then they don't get their big shot until they're closer to 40 and they've maybe gotten over some of those demons, right? He had to get over them in real time. And he was considered kind of a phony fake guy at a lot of stops beforehand, you know, by by media and by fans and former players. And, and stuff. maybe he was. And, and I think, well, I think he was just going through some stuff. And now that he's kind of on the other side of that stuff and he has a different perspective and he can be grateful for those opportunities and talk about like he just did slowing down and appreciating those moments instead of just like, well, now we go win the next one and now we do this. Like to to be able to start – like I thought it was really cool. If you go back and you watch Saban and Sark meet it at, at – like it was like Sark was consoling Saban and kind of like, hey, man, I think he told him I love you. You know, like, hey, I, you know, appreciate everything, and so uh, it had to be a, a big moment for Sark, and you know, I, I'm I'm proud of him, right? Like, I mean, as somebody who, as you mentioned, has gone through the same stuff, you know, that battle's never over, and you never know kind of what's going to happen there. Uh, but he seems like a guy who's at peace with himself, and it, it's showing in his work. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in our third quarter coming up because I think the next step is what's to come, and I do think they can borrow from that because you know this as a as an addict. I mean, it's it's day by day. Oh yeah, and if Texas is going to turn what what they did at Alabama from one great win into a great season, it'll be day by day now. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Yeah, yeah. you you can get over it and you can achieve the goal, get to the mountaintop, but can you then sustain it? That's going to be the challenge. And maybe his genuine having been through it and living it on the daily will help this team because it feels like they're taking on his mindset, the the redemption side, the, the overcoming adversity. A lot of guys who made mistakes early in the game made huge plays later in the game. Let's hear one more from Sark here to wrap up our first quarter. It's a little long for our quarter, but, man, why not? This is why we do the Eyes on Texas multicast presented by Grande Equipment for games like this. Uh, here's Sark thanking the fans because if you heard the highlights we played, the, the, the ovations, the roars were huge. The Longhorn contingent was uh, crazy. The private jets at the Tuscaloosa airport overwhelmed the airport staff. They couldn't handle it. Uh, you guys showed up in mass, and here was Sark thanking Longhorn Nation for what they did. I can't thank Longhorn Nation enough. Uh, the support they showed on the road was tremendous. Um, we could feel them in the stadium. Uh, obviously, it was a great moment for us uh, on the field, but to be able to share it uh, with our fans, our band, our students, uh, that, that was uh, the, the parents of our kids. That was, uh, it was an awesome moment, so we, we can't thank you enough. Uh, and Which goes right into we get to be back at DKR Saturday night. All right. Great job, Longhorn fans. It was well worth the trip and the money spent and the expenses, but what a win. Hey, that's our first quarter. Pretty good. The overview of the game, the win, the Sark thoughts is brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert. He's my great friend and now the creator of this great smile that I've got rolling here on the Eyes on Texas multicast and wherever I go. Uh, it, this is it. Over a quarter century, he's been in Austin, right there off Far West. Uh, if you know the area there, North Central Austin, uh, over 25 years. And he specializes in general dentistry, but also tooth loss solutions. Whether you're talking about a single tooth or what I've done, the entire restoration, he has the solution for you. He can give you a new smile like he did for me permanently with the Secure Dental Implants in one day. There's some work leading up to it, but once you go to the process, no time without teeth. You don't have to you know, go through all the, the grind of that. He's restored over 1,000 cases in Texas, in Central Texas right now. Uh, give him a call for a consultation. As I said, it was a very relaxing environment. The sedation was wonderful. Uh, I slept for a couple hours during the process. It was about a five-hour procedure, but I slept for a couple of them because I had my music in and uh, had the sedation going, gave me a little nitrous. It was the, the Dr. Eckert cocktail. It was just perfect. 
Why not give him a call for a consultation where you're the boss, you make the informed decisions about your dental health care needs and whether you want to go here. I mean, it's such, such a confidence builder. You don't want to smile. You want to be out and be public and not, and you want to take pictures all of a sudden because your smile is uh, is where you want it to be. Uh, let Dr. Eckert help you with that today. 345 345- 3166. That's 512 345 3166. I'm going to get my guy Mike in there to get his teeth restored as well. It's 345 3166. He's online at dreckert.com. That's Dr. Eckert with a U, U E C K E R T. All right, Mike, let's get our second quarter going. It's uh, closed on time. Our man Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy. Dot com. Remember, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. This will be a micro look at the Texas Bama game. We did macro, the overview, the win. But there were a lot of uh, smaller elements that went into the win, uh, Mike, and we kind of talked about some of them through our first quarter. But uh, of the conversations that went into the game for the weeks leading up and certainly last week, let's start with uh, Sark on the deep balls that hit, right? I mean, I just thought it was a brilliant deep balls. Deep balls made somebody laugh in the room. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about the deep balls. <laughs> I didn't say balls deep, Griffin. You can edit that out Vertical. if you want to. But um, – but obviously, the game plan was on point, right? I mean, it's almost like last week against Rice was a rope-a-dope. Like, they couldn't complete a deep ball, the frustrating offensive line play, all the things that sent Longhorn fans into a tizzy. And when you watch the eyes on Texas Cast last week, you and I both said, don't panic. That's probably the best thing that could have happened. I don't think it was a rope-a-dope, but, but they certainly put a lot on film for Alabama to not be concerned about. And Sark came out with the tempo, with the formations, with the quick passing game that brought the, the Alabama safeties into the box. And from there, uh, you know, they did the three deep balls on one drive, hit the one to X-Man, then hit one to, uh, to A.D. Mitchell. I mean, it was, it was a clinic. It was a, it was a precision clinic from Texas of, of executing offense. Yeah, you can tell what he spent six months preparing for. <laughs> Not Rice. And it wasn't the Rice script. Uh, that was the script of Sark's life. I wish I, I should have gone to the press conference today just to ask him if his play sheet started to look like four times bigger than normal. You know, like basketball players, when they get into a groove, start talking about how the rim gets bigger and bigger. Like if just, he looked down at his call sheet and just like the play he wanted to call just like was in 36 font. Uh, because that was that was a master class. Like as, as a football dork, right? Like just watching um, – just the way he would sequence plays together and the way he'd use one play to set up another play. I mean, it was like watching chess. You know, he was like two, three moves ahead. Um, and, you know, he's he's coached with Saban. He's now coached against Saban twice. I'm sure he's picked up on, on some of the things that Saban wants to do, so it was a good matchup for him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as good of a day as it was for all of the Longhorns, nobody may have had a better one than, than Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, it was like the uh, – the, 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 the Jedi Master and the Young Jedi. Right. Like, my script, you execute it. And it was, because Sark does know Alabama's structural integrity of their defense. He knows the rules. One of the reasons Alabama's so good consistently is, you know, it's not it's not you, it's Alabama's defense. It's not Nick Saban's defense or this defensive coordinator. It's our defense. And these are the principles we live by. And so if you can take those principles and force them to break them, mm-hmm. you know, you now are breaking the code. Uh, the cheat code, as they call it in video games, and it kind of looked like a video game at times. Let's hear Sark on the deep balls and why they worked this time, why they struggled with them a little bit last year and last week, but they hit this week, which really opened everything up. Here's Sark on deep balls. Um, I think the receivers ran the routes and then ran them in in to the spot to where they were supposed to be. And there was consistency in the route running uh, as we ran them in practice so that they knew – 
the spot on the field where that ball would be thrown. And then I think the third component was Quinn put nice air on the ball. And he allowed the receivers, both those guys, to adjust to the ball in the air. It's very difficult for a receiver to adjust to the ball when it's flat down the field. That, that, that's, a, that's a tall task, especially when it's back over your shoulder. But when there's air on the ball, now they can track it and they can adjust to it. It's like, it's like playing center field, right? And the ball's hit to deep left center. You know, the flatter the ball, the tougher it is to gauge that angle. The higher the ball, the better they can gauge it and go track it and go make that play. So I think those three things combined, we got the coverages that we were looking for and it was the right read. Two, the consistency and the route running from practice to the game. And then three, uh, the air underneath the ball to allow them to just to go get it. And it certainly changed the game because at that point, Alabama really didn't have an answer uh, for the short and intermediate passing game, and now you got to cover the deep. And this is what we talked about all offseason, Mike, through spring and through the summer. A lot of weapons, a lot of weapons, and weaponize those guys. Uh, one of the other things I thought Sark did very well, first half, Xavier Worthy, five catches, 75 yards. He was the focus of the offense. He dropped the one touchdown pass, which we all know, caught the long one. But then that, that's going to force Alabama to react and double and roll coverage to X-Man. Well, that's going to open it up for A.D. Mitchell. That's going to open it up for J.T. and Jay Witt. That's what we've talked about all summer, that mm-hmm. you can't cover them all single time. That is the point of the, the cheat code offense. I mean, even just having Jontae Cook on the field for that Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy touchdown is what brought him open. They, yeah. That safety had to come down and cover Jontae Cook, so that leaves one-on-one for X-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we talked about it all offseason. I mean, who do you double? You know, and once Xavier Worthy— Statistical, mathematical problem. Yeah, and then once Worthy proves that you can't go one—because you try to. Like, Alabama's going to go into that game and go, okay, we're going to go one-on-one with Worthy for as long as we can. And maybe they just don't take advantage of the coverage. Quinn misses a few passes or Sark goes into it. You just hope that they either execute or play, play scheme their way out of taking advantage of that. Sark didn't do it. He just kept throwing it to Worthy, kept throwing it to Worthy, kept throwing it to Worthy. Uh, and then they had to make that adjustment. And once they did, you could tell Sark was almost like waiting for that. Yeah. You know, he knew like, what Sark, how, right. how they would react. And as soon as that happened, it just opened everything up for this offense. You know, Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, Whittington. Uh, and then as we've talked about off, like J.T. Sanders Beast. is is the, the, the fulcrum of this offense. The X factor. Because you can't, what do you do? Right, you can't. You don't. You don't tip what you're going to run. You can run four or five different formations with him. You can put him in all sorts of places. He picks on linebackers and absolutely abuses defensive backs. And so uh, he's just a difference maker that's really kind of unlocked this team in a way that well, that it just hasn't lately. And the patience that coaching staff had with helping him develop, not force him on the field as a freshman, letting him learn the nuances right. of tight end, not making him be a defensive end. <laughs> yeah, what you a lot of people wanted him to be. But I even think of Steve Sarkeesian's offenses at Alabama. He didn't have J.T. Sanders, right? He had four first-round wide receivers, but he didn't have that guy. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got three draft pick wide receivers, maybe maybe four with Isaiah Nair on this team. Uh, but that's the difference. That is the difference. Well, that leads to the run game. There's, if there's one thing to work on, and we know they ground out the clock in the final seven minutes of the game, run game still needs to develop. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Mike, there's going to be bad weather games. There's going to be games where Quinn's off a little bit, and you're going to rely on your run game. It's Sarah Sark talking about the run game what he was pleased about, what needs to be worked on. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter did suffer a bit of an injury. Again, second straight game. They don't think it's very serious. Uh, they're going to monitor him this week. But uh, here's Sark on the run game at Tuscaloosa. 
It's going to be hard yards. You know, they, they make it hard. It's a really good defensive front. They set the edge really well. Their safeties are very physical players. They're really good tacklers. Uh, and that's historically, you know, that's what Coach Saban recruits. So I knew the yards would get hard, um, but I, I, I did want to make sure that hope we could run it when I knew we had to run it. And whether it was short yards, short yardage type situations and or in the fourth quarter when we were trying to take the air out of the ball a little bit. So I was very encouraged on, on a few of those kind of third down runs. I was obviously extremely encouraged uh, with our ability to run the ball late in the fourth quarter and, and move them off the ball. Um, quite frankly, I felt like we probably could have ran the ball better if I was maybe a little more committed to it in, in game. But the plan was the plan. You know, we wanted to be aggressive and we wanted to try to attack them down the field. So it's probably a few more passes and shots and things that, um, that because that was the plan. But I felt like we were we were moving them okay, and I felt like if we were in run mode, I think over time in that third quarter we could have started to establish ourselves better. But I think ultimately it paid dividends there in the fourth quarter when we had. To a right, couple more things, Mike, uh, coming off the run game conversation. Uh, Anthony Hill and Ethan, Ethan Burke with the big plays. I mean, this is a freshman, true freshman, and a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, this team, you know, we talk about the micro you know, view of this team, and then we're going to talk coming up in our third quarter about the future. There's the future of this year, but there's the big picture future too. And the idea and the, the, the build is to be ready for the SEC with, with Anthony Hill, Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick, this defensive line, this personnel, plus Colin Simmons already committed for this coming class. This team is building to be line of scrimmage prepared for the Southeastern Conference and really every position prepared for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing we worried about going into the season was what are they going to do off the edge? Like, can they create that pressure off the edge? Can it be Baron Sorrells? Can he, can he take that next step? Well, with Anthony Hill, Ethan Burke, you know, Baron's still out there, right? I mean, like now all of a sudden they have some guys that can get off the Dudes. edge and, ma and make that. And you can't double those guys just like on the offense. You can't double those guys because then Tivandre Sweat or Byron Murphy or Alfred Collins is one-on-one -on -one on, on the inside. So, you know, you're forced to either keep some extra guys in to block or get the ball out fast. Either way, that's something Pete Kukowski is going to live with. Well, talent leads to creating mismatches where you have to double-team Sweat and Murphy or one of them. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, there was a play where Anthony Hill got locked up freshman on freshman with Caden Proctor, the true freshman left tackle at Alabama, who's very talented. Abused him. Yeah. Abused him freshman on freshman. Showed some Micah Parsons kind of flashes where just go make a play. And uh, he was also, Anthony Hill, at times the spy, yeah. a lot of times on Jalen Milrow, uh, and ran him down. Um, you know, no one else was as effective as he was in chasing him to the boundary. Uh, that's impressive for a true freshman. Just let him do what he does well. Be very athletic, run to the ball, make a play. Ethan Burke has been – or Ethan Burke flipped from Michigan on signing day. Yeah, Anthony Hill flipped from A&M. On signing day. These are huge recruiting wins. One other I wanted to play because I think it's in a great insight into Sark, who's always studying other coaches, always trying to learn from other coaches of how to – develop his team and develop his coaching style. He's he's not he's humble enough to talk to Sean McVay and talk to Kyle Shanahan. And uh, here's him talking about Andy Reid. Talk about the trick plays, right? They, they, they ran three early, ran a reverse. that I thought uh, X-Man should have been out the gate. Uh, if he would have gone outside on the reverse that they ran, 
Well, JT missed the block, but JT was blocking to his outside, and he cut under him, so that it was made it easy on the defender. If he had gone to the – you also had an offensive lineman, Christian Jones, out in front. If, if, if X-Man had stayed to the outside, I think that's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he cut it back, and then the defender had the advantage on JT Sanders and made it look like a missed block. But they called those plays. Let's hear Sark talk about the trick plays, how they uh, generate, and the fact that he empowers his players to help come up with some of these trick plays. Um, with with Pat Mahomes on there and there was a moment there where they're talking about some of the plays they run in the low red zone and how they come up with those plays and who names the plays and then you know Pat kind of is off on the side working on those plays and you could just see kind of the joy and the excitement you know football is a grind and when we go out every day and it's if it's like it's like Groundhog Day and sometimes you got to give them some things to kind of pick up the spirits and so when you practice them and they look pretty good I kind of owe it to them to call it and um, so we, we called three of them in the first half and I was joking with the guys today I thought both reverses we got about as bare minimum as we could get on those plays uh, I thought Xavier's reverse probably should have been a touchdown AD and the ball comes out but the pass probably would have been a touchdown if it's not for the pass interference so they they're instilling confidence back in me that I can trust That's them cool. too. That's a cool moment right there that uh... Uh, you you know you've been around it, Mike. Uh, football's a grind. It is hard. Let them have some fun. Keep the joy in the game, and let them uh, you know feel like they're a part of it. And that's that's again a coach player relationship that we're seeing with Sark that that is that is really genuine. It's another example of him running this thing like an NFL organization and kind of giving uh, his players some ownership inside the program that they're playing in. Like, hey, it's not just up to me. Come up with a cool play, and yeah. like we'll run it. You know, and uh, for him to do that, not against Rice. Or Wyoming, but on the road against Alabama when the game's still on the line, like yeah. you know, like that's early on in the game. I mean, it's still right in the balance there, and he's he's calling trick plays. Like that's the kind of that show. If you're on the team, if you're in that huddle, you're like, oh man, the coach believes that we can do this. We're having fun. I mean, that that's gotta be a subconscious thing, even if you're not aware of it, of just some confidence being instilled in you. All right, that's our second quarter. We've done the macro view and the micro view of the 34-24 win for Texas here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast presented by Grande Equipment. Our second quarter is closed on time every time by our man, Carlos Carrion. He is the Texas Mortgage Guy at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Appreciate him. He was our first and uh, first partner that we had. Came to us and said, man, I'd love to be a part of the EOT and help y'all. And you can help us, and so we want you to help him. Call him when you need a new mortgage. It's a confusing time in real estate right now, but still, especially in Austin, and throughout Texas, the time to buy a house. Uh, you'll be, be happy you did if you can deal with the interest rates and let Carlos go to work for you. He's a diehard Longhorn fan, born and raised in Austin, Texas. As I always say, isn't it great to work with someone who's like-minded? You can talk football a little bit, talk some Longhorn sports, but also have someone who uh, knows this industry like the back of his hand, a lifelong Austinite here, been doing this almost a decade. Provi- not just to provide you a quote or do what anybody, any other mortgage person can do. He's your guide to solve problems, strategize one of the more important uh, decisions of your life or certainly of, the, of each decade of your life, financial decisions. He's a great communicator, fast response times. We'll get right back to you. It's Carlos Carrion. He is the TexasMortgageGuy.com. I tell him all the time he wants me to give his phone number. Just go to the website. Go there. Well, nobody writes down phone numbers anymore. The TexasMortgageGuy.com. Don't forget the the. You'll be off to someone else. The TexasMortgageGuy.com. That is our buddy Carlos Carrion. He brings you the second quarter. That leads to halftime. Quick aside, because uh, our halftime is brought to you by and delivered by the just the right pressure by One Source Gas, your one-stop shop in Central Texas, uh, and growing, by the way, for all gas products. We'll tell you about them coming up. 
But uh, halftime is about Longhorns in the NFL and keeping an eye on them. Uh, and we're also going to talk some recruiting real quick, too. But how about Bijan and Roshan, their first pro touchdowns? Bijan Robinson, the uh, odds rookie of the year in the NFL, scored the Atlanta Falcons' first points in a 24 to 10 win over the Carolina Panthers. And a uh, little, little 11 yard pass that was a, a pass to, across the line of scrimmage. And he made two dudes miss, broke some tackles into the end zone. Typical Bijan for his first score. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising at all. It's fun to watch both of those guys play football, and uh, I believe that they're going to do pretty well. I think they're going to have some uh, solid NFL careers ahead of them. Uh, also, Roshan scored a goal line touch and also had a nice run down the sidelines where it looked like he was going to get a tight TD, but stepped out of bounds right about the one-yard line. Then they gave him the ball. Give The, the Bear, Bears look like a mess, by the way. That's a problem for Justin Fields. He had to apologize to his team how bad he was. They lost to the Packers 38-20, to but Roshan scored. I was disappointed for Cameron Dicker, uh, Dicker the kicker. Uh, the do- game of the day yesterday was the Dolphins and the Chargers. And, the, the you know, Tua Tungavailoa threw for 466 yards, hit Tyreek Hill with a touchdown pass with about a minute 45 to go, but it was only a two-point game. And I'm thinking, well, Cameron Dicker is going to be the hero. Justin Herbert's going to move them down the field, and uh, Dicker, the kicker, is going to win this ball game. But they couldn't move the ball, took a sack, and Miami ended up winning at L.A., but a big win. I thought Cameron was going to get a chance. We saw Keandre Coburn balling out on uh, Thursday night football. The Chiefs lost to the uh, Detroit Lions, but he made some plays. Mm-hmm from that defensive line spot. So good to see the Longhorns in the NFL. We'll keep you posted as the year goes on. But I wanted to get your thoughts real quick here because we're going to get back into the future for the Longhorn football team this year. But uh, the recruiting side of this, is there any way to estimate, underestimate or overestimate the impact of that win Saturday on the recruiting landscape moving forward? I mean, it's Longhorns are already recruiting at a high level, but there are guys who are on the fence who wanted to see this product who are now looking at that saying, wow, okay, that that's something I can get with. Yeah, I mean, it's proof of concept, you know, and, and now you don't have to recruit guys as much as they recruit you. You know, now, now it's going to be you're turning down yeah. some of these big-time players rather than than you're trying to convince them to get on board and we can do this at Alabama. Like Now you can show that tape and go, like, we, we're already doing this against Alabama. And so, uh, and you know, when you look, Texas's biggest recruiting rivals right now are, are probably Alabama, A&M, LSU. Um the other three teams have losses and aren't looking as great this year, right? And so it's Texas's time to kind of cherry pick, pick, put their foot on the gas. The thing with Texas, though, I don't know if it shows up as much in 2024. Like, they're going to get their guys, like maybe a Ryan Wingo, uh, maybe a Brandon Baker to kind of put a cherry on top of this class. But so much, so much of this team is still freshmen and sophomores. Uh, and even some juniors, and so they can't uh, offer the playing time. They've right, been able they to don't. Offer. Ha- well, and they don't have the thirty scholarship offers. Right, they don't have the, that many spots. And so, uh, I think it'll be a smaller class and a really good class. And then that twenty twenty five class is going to be where they kind of put the pedal to the metal again. Agreed. Already have Colin Simmons, and there's, there's already word that Dominic McKinley, the five star defensive lineman from Louisiana, who committed to A and M last week or a couple weeks ago, might be wavering after what we saw because the Aggies lost, the Longhorns won. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet here on the Ice on Texas <laughs> multicast. The Jimbo Fisher watch is on squarely, and I think I love the way you put that. That it, that it's uh, you get to cherry pick a little bit now. I mean that is now you can start picking guys that you really want and uh, bringing guys in that, that fit what you want to do. Uh, and I mean, how much how big you because before you were with Dave Campbell's Texas football, you did the Fab Fifty Fives at yep. the Statesman and went out and talked to these kids. It's important that Anthony Hill's playing. You know, Kelvin Banks played as a freshman. I mean, Sark, C.J. Baxter starting. I mean, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to see it. That we'll we'll play you if you're good enough. You got to earn it, but we'll play you. 
Yeah, I would think the Holy Trinity in recruiting is still, I mean, NIL changes this a little bit, but I bet it's still playing time, winning, enjoyment of coaching staff, right? Fit. And at Texas. Not girls. No, they're, well, they're, they're everywhere. You know, like even in A&M, there's some girls, right? Like I go to all these campuses. Like you're not, you're not, you're not getting lost there. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, Austin helps obviously. And that helps with the NIL, uh, but playing time is a big deal. Like these guys, especially when you're starting to get into these high four stars, five star guys, thinking like, NFL they're thinking NFL and they're trying to get their clock started. They're trying to get three years worth of tape. They don't want to sit there and wait. And so uh, even if you can just find packages for them, like they don't have to start. I don't have to play 80 plays. A lot of times they're not ready to play 80 plays. Like physically, I don't know if Anthony Hill could play 80 plays yet because you just have to get into college shape. You need an offseason. We've seen it with C.J. Baxter. He's got nicked up you know, both games because it's, it's a jump up even for these five-star guys. But if you can start getting tape and you can start getting on the field, then your sophomore year becomes big. You already have some buzz like a Harold Perkins. And then your junior year, you're already penciled in as an NFL pick. It's just a matter of how high you want to go. And so uh, Texas is in a good spot right now. I mean, as Sark has said, he's not shying away from it. He wants a dozen NFL draft picks every single year like that's what he wants this roster to, to look like it hasn't been that in a long time and it's starting to shape up to be you know that kind of roster again where maybe not this year but next year there's gonna be eight nine ten guys that, that may get drafted out off this team all right uh there's halftime and we will certainly follow the recruiting buzz and what's happening throughout the course of uh the eyes on texas multicast remember the multicast is now two episodes a week we'll have this one that we record on a monday and we'll drop it on Tuesday, and then we'll have another one on Thursday to preview the Wyoming game that will drop on Friday. So please be looking for it, and we'll tell you again where you can find it, Spotify, iTunes, and, of course, YouTube. Twice a week now, uh, the recap and then the preview. Uh, our halftime brought to you by One Source Gas uh, of Austin in Central Texas. Uh, One Source Gas is your Texas com- compressed gas leader. They provide compressed gases such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more to various industries in the great state. One Source Gas is your leader in CO2. Uh, for the service industry, if you have a bar or restaurant, you need those bar taps and uh, all that goes with that. you got to have those pouring on a Monday night football game and uh, college football, pro football weekends. Also the hospitality industry, uh, the medical industry, uh, whatever that industry might be, you need that gas on a daily basis, a weekly basis. One source is locally owned by buddy Richard Strever and his great team. 12 years now, they understand that exceptional customer service is the key uh, when providing the products to run your business. You can't live without them. They're your lifeline. Uh, so if you own a bar, a restaurant, a dental office, a veterinary clinic, you have a business that has compressed compressed gas needs, and you're looking for new CO2 or compressed gas provi- providers, you can visit their website, onesourcegasatx.com. That's onesourcegasatx.com, or call Richard and the team at 214-8484, 512-214-8484. One of their staff members will be glad to help you with your compressed gas needs. onesourcegasatx.com, another one of our presenting partners, our halftime presenter. All right, uh, third quarter. Delivered by the Good Times, an incredible scratch, comfort food at Hay City Store and Ice House, uh, an absolute desti- destination location in Driftwood, Texas. Also, the Taste on Main and Buda, owned by the same uh, wonderful couple, Travis and, and uh, Tamara Tyndall, who were at the game on Saturday. They were out there taking it in. We'll tell you about them coming up. But, uh, Mike, uh, it's time to pivot. We did the review of the game, some deep dive conversation about the game, how it happened and where they are. Time to look forward. Time to look forward. How do you turn this win into a special season. I think of the game in 2005 at Columbus that was a huge win for the Longhorns. Uh, I was on the sidelines at that game, Texas-Ohio State, and you kind of felt walking out. I thought I might get my ass kicked by the asses in Columbus, but I was walking out of the stadium thinking, wow, that's a big win. Now next goal is Oklahoma is uh, USC. 
I mean, that really was the next goal. And that team had built for that moment. They they understood that if they could win that game, the rest of the season was about USC, and they they played it that way. Every every bar was and every preparation and we've talked to and you a lot of Longhorn fans have seen the videos and the highlight reels. You know, Vince Young set the standard: prepare each week like we're playing USC because that's the goal. Uh, USC was trying to win a third straight national championship. There's a team called Georgia that's trying to win a third straight national championship. You just beat Alabama in Alabama, became the sixth team in the last 15 years to win on that field. How do you take this from a huge win and make it a special season and at least yourself give yourself a chance to have a special season? Yeah, I mean, that Vince Young team, it kind of earned a right to look ahead in a way that this one hasn't just because they had already won a conference championship and won a Rose Bowl and, and, and played so well and in such big games. Like, this is the this is the biggest win that this group has had, you know, by far and away. Um, and so if, if you're Sark, you have to figure out a way to get this team's mind on Wyoming. Um, this is a Wyoming team that beat Tech. You know, obviously playing at home is a little bit different in week one than, than playing on the road in week three. Um, but, you know, I think if you're Sark, you find a way to, to convince them that they haven't done anything yet. They haven't accomplished anything yet. I mean, it's beat Alabama. Um, and so, like, that's fun and all. Uh, but if the next 10 games don't go the way that you want them to, it doesn't matter. And so, uh, for them, we've talked about this all offseason, too. I, I always thought that they could beat Alabama. We talked about last week on the show that if you traded rosters, you know, Alabama would have been favored by more than 10 points if they had Texas's roster and vice versa. So their ability to beat Alabama or anybody on their schedule has never been in doubt to me. It's the next part. Can they do it for another 10 weeks in a row? Can they not let all of this hype and all of this admiration and all of this praise get to their head? Can they get grimy? Can they go uh, and play those 11 a.m. games on the road in the Big 12 that they don't think are that big, that the fan base doesn't think that that is that big? Like, Can they win? Can they be consistent? Can they do it week in, week out? Those are questions that we've had all offseason, and, and to me, now the test really starts. Yeah. You set yourself up for an opportunity to have a special year, but you're right. If you lose two or three games and don't play for the Big 12 title, what happened in Alabama? I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It'll matter in recruiting. It'll matter, but it will be hugely disappointing because they've shown the bar. Mm-hmm. Let's hear Sark talking about that too. Cut to Nolan, our digital editor and digital producer, Nolan Hogan. Uh, keep getting better. That's the mission. I thought. I thought having been at the press or seen the press conference today with Sark, uh, the the mindset's right. Uh, celebrate this win, embrace this win. But we knew we could do it. We executed it. Now the next step is getting better each day. You know that 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 one game isn't going to define our season last week. What we do moving forward, um, you know, I think championship teams continue to improve as the season goes on, and we've got goals and aspirations of of being champions this year. We've got to continue to improve this week, and uh, that was the starting point here this morning. All right, keep getting better. Um, don't let that define your season, right? Do not let that game define your season, uh, and I, I feel like now that it's been backed up by performance that the Longhorns are in a good place. They're in a good mindset. It's not, you know, it's not the, the Vince Young team of 05 cause they, you know, won the Rose bowl the previous year and, and built towards the chase of, of USC, but this team has been built differently and it's the transfer portal era. And you've added key pieces that are, that had impactful performances the other night. Jalen Catalan led you in tackles, mm-hmm. Isaiah Nayer, uh, excuse me, uh, AD Mitchell had two touchdown catches. I mean, you got guys who came in that you couldn't do back in 05 that have plugged some holes. So maybe this is a team that can set their sights on really, really big things, but it's going to take that. Let's hear Sark one more uh, on leadership because that's what it's going to be. But I will say this something we said throughout our coverage here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. So many guys on this team came back for this year. They're never going to play in the SEC. Yep. They came back to win this year. 
including Jordan Whittington and Christian Jones and Jalen Ford. Uh, and they came here. They, they came. They're not going to play in the SEC next. They don't care about the future. They want this year. It's leadership now that needs to step up and lead the way because that's what had happened in 05 and 08 and 09 is those guys made the difference week day by day, practice by practice. They earned the right to be confident by the way they played. Now we're trying to recreate it, right? They set a new standard for what we're capable of, which we talked about. And then how do we recreate and get to that standard and then try to exceed that standard to create another new standard. And so um, that's where the leadership kicks in. Like, I, again, I'm not trying to knock these guys down. I'm trying to point out areas for improvement so that we can we can keep growing as a team. But that's where the real leaders step up. You know, that's where that's where Jalen Ford steps up. Uh, that That's where Jaron Thompson steps up. That's where Jade Barron steps up. That's where Xavier and Jay Witt step up and JT, um, Christian Jones, um, Quinn, naturally. That That's where those guys step up. So um that that whole entire leadership council that we have uh that, that's a bunch of really good guys that that want to be champions and so they're continuing to push each other uh as much as we're trying to push them as coaches and to your to your point every guy that he just mentioned won't be here next year yeah yeah you know so yeah i mean they're they're playing it for this year and everything's in front of them. i would even say they probably have they bought themselves you know one do-over um you beat alabama by 10 you can probably lose one game. If you're 11 and one, and then you go and win the Big 12 championship and go to 12 and one. That's probably enough, just with how the SEC West has started. Probably not going to be two teams out of the SEC, and so that that's probably it's enough. A gravity for Texas. win, right? And so uh, if you're Texas, you got to go win 10 out of the next 11, and then win that Big 12 championship game, and, and you're right there. Yeah, uh, and that'll be the challenge. I think we had the debate, you know, in the summertime we were just talking about football a couple times, you know. Would it be more surprising to see them beat Alabama or run the table? And I think we both agreed. You just reiterated it. I think they can beat Alabama, but can they stay consistent? Because something my buddy Rod Baber has pointed out this morning, you don't have six months to prepare for these games coming, right? You don't. You had six months to prepare for Alabama because you didn't prepare for Rice. So now it's the day-to-day, week-to-week grind of getting ready for the next opponent. Um, You know, it feels like they're mature enough. And, yeah, they'll have a bad night. They'll have a bad day. It just will happen. But – you know, this team, you know, one of the things I really like about it, A, Quinn yours, there's no more quarterback debate. Like, yeah. no, we don't have people calling our radio show saying Malik Murphy's better than Quinn or Quinn's a good backup. Why isn't he transferring? Where's Arch Manning? That's over now, right? He, you know, at least for now. He solidified himself. Until right. next week. Now he's the third <laughs> third odds. Well, again, I, I, I think he showed everybody. I, that's he just can the be. job of Texas, though. But, but by the way, well, you're right. But by the way, he's got to keep that same mindset. Mm-hmm. Quinn can't revert back to some old form. He, he needs to take that and build on it. Maybe that's the confidence boost. Because that's what I saw in Columbus in 2005. That that team walked off the field walking on air. Like, oh, we just did that. We just beat Ohio State in Columbus. We stared it down. Uh, and we're now on a collision course with what we believe is our destiny. That is, that's special. That's tangible. The other thing that happened on Saturday, Mike, is those players believe in Quinn Ewers now. Mm-hmm. If there was anybody that didn't believe that if they did their job that he could help them win, he put on a show. He made a lot of money on Saturday uh, in front of a lot of pro scouts. He made some throws that not many people can make. And now everybody in that huddle and on that sidelines can say, you know what? He can take us there. That guy is the dude. He can get us there. We just have to do our job. That's huge, Mike. That is that We talk about players who elevate their teammates. It's not just in the game. It's not just an assist on a, on a play. It's, it's day-to-day that, hey, we got that dude. Uh, they don't. <laughs> we can win this game. That is that's that's the special sauce. And the other part of it is the confidence you come out with. 
there's nobody on our schedule the rest of the way that is good as Alabama. No. Um, K-State's pretty good. Oklahoma's pretty good. We won't see a team that good unless we make the Final Four. That's, you know, to me, for young people, even if they're making NIL money now, that's, that's gosh, there's now a carrot. that Hey, it can go from great win to special season. Yeah, I mean, Texas saw or Texas answered my three biggest question marks going into the season in one football game. And, and uh, that was their ability to play in the fourth quarter. Check. Right, dominated Alabama in the fourth quarter. There, scored twenty one points, which I read was the the most that Saban's given up at Alabama in the fourth. Twenty one to eight in the fourth quarter. Um, quarterback check. Quinn Ewers, you know, obviously showed some steps forward. He's the guy. He can do it in big games. He did it on the road. Um, all the answers, you know, I, you know, he's not a perfect prospect, right? But like he can he can make all those throws. He can be a championship level quarterback. And then edge, you know, Ethan Burke, Anthony Hill. Uh, you know, it seems like they have the players to do that. The only thing that can stop Texas is Texas. And yeah. so it's up to them now um, to have the same focus going into Wyoming, to going at Baylor. Go, you know, like those games like at Houston later that lost to Rice, right? Like they're going to watch film on some of these teams and go, man, we should yeah. kill these guys, yeah. right? But you got to go do it. And, and so far, or at least, you know, so, you know in, a, in a long time, Texas hasn't shown the ability to go do so. Now that's kind of the next the next step for this program. This is either the peak or just a stopping point, and you hope it's just the stopping point for Texas. Well said, good stuff. That's the full coverage here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. No timid, no weak. We're ready for it. We've got the uh, overview, the micro, and now the future. It's that third quarter brought to you by Hay City Store, uh, my favorite place to hang out. You might find me there on. Uh, couple nights a week uh, it's open for business they're ready to serve you and your family big groups as well uh it is a beautiful spot even when it's hot outside it's about to cool down here in central texas i promise you they're open every day offering seating on their beautiful patio the ice house under the big canopy of oak trees out there in driftwood also the indoor area as well hayes is uh, hayes city is famous now for their scratch texas comfort food it's hard to choose something off the menu because it's all so darn good do I want one of those uh, wood-fired pizzas? Do I want one of the house-ground burgers? Do I want uh, some of the truck stop enchiladas or that huge chicken fried steak? Or maybe go a little healthier with some of their great salads and the specials that they have on the daily. They also have over 53 beers on tap, uh, great uh, bars in both inside and outside. It is the spot to hang out with you and your, your, your wife or girlfriend, you and a big group, a birthday, a watch party to watch the big game, just reserve a table out on the ice house. For any of the Longhorn games coming up, I also want to tell you about Travis and Tamara Tindall, their new location. It's different, but it's uh, tremendous. It's Taste on Main in Buda, in downtown Buda on Main Street. If you want uh, steaks and seafood, the raw bar, maybe sp- celebrating an anniversary, celebrating a birthday, special occasion, first date, be romantic, do it at the Taste uh, on Main in Buda. Both places tremendous. To find Hayes City Store and Ice House, it's online at HayesCityStoreTX.com, HayesCityStoreTX.com, or TasteOnMain.com. For the other, uh, the Tyndall's do an amazing job. I promise you they're you know, generational restaurateurs. You're going to love them. All right, uh, our fourth and final quarter is presented by Dr. Greg Eckert with my new smile, but also his Brain Vault and research-based Brain Vault technology that's more than a mouthpiece, a proven way for your young athlete to play hard and play safe. We'll tell you about that coming up. But, Mike, our four big conversations of the week, a lot of Texas talk. They dominate the college football conversation. But now, uh, while we're on Texas, Texas now the third odds favorite to win the national championship behind Georgia and Michigan. Quinn Ewers now third's odd fa- odds favorite to win the Heisman. This is the kind of hype now you got to deal with. You're a gambling man. Any thoughts on that? Did you, does anything lean in for you? One thing I'll say about the Quinn Ewers performance, of the five teams that have beaten Alabama since 2008 in Tuscaloosa, three of those quarterbacks went on to win the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, and Johnny Manziel. 
So that's part of why the odds have jumped and Quinn played so well. Their third odds favorite to win the Natty. I drove the parallel to USC looking for a third straight national title. Georgia's looking for a third straight national title. Am I crazy? Is that off, if that, is that off the rocker? Uh, no, I mean, they, Georgia just feels like such a machine. It's like hard for me to predict anything other than Georgia. Uh, but Texas before the season was 22 to 1 to win the national title, and they're down to about 10 to 1. So if you're going to do it, do it now. And, and you look at that schedule, and again, I, I think they can go 11 and 1. I, th- I don't think they have to be perfect. I think they can, they can lose a game as long as it's not like by 30 or to. You know BYU or you know Iowa State. You know as long as it's like a, a competitive game against a decent team, I think they have one do over there because of how well they played against Alabama. And I think Texas is one of the three or four favorites to get to the college football playoff. And as TCU showed last year, I mean you just win a football game and then all of a sudden you're in the championship game and anything can happen there. Yeah, uh, you're right. And of course, Sark, if you get there, I mean we're way before the horse here, but you got extra time. You got a month to prepare. You can. Uh, build up a game plan for that semifinal game and, and work on the, the game beyond that. But that's a long way from here. You're right. But as we pointed out throughout the offseason, the Longhorns don't have a roadblock in the Big 12. They just don't. Um, you know, the SEC, you've got, you know, Alabama, Georgia. Maybe Georgia doesn't have a roadblock at this point. We'll see. Yeah, their schedule's pretty good. But in the Big 10, Michigan's got Ohio State and Penn State. Penn State looks really good. Ohio State's trying to find their way. pac is going to Eat, eat their own out right. there. I mean, there's eight ranked Pac-12 teams, which that's another big story here on our final four, the four big conversations. Uh, the Big 12 is sucking it up, Mike. Uh, we'll get to the Pac-12 <laughs> here in a minute. But minus the Kansas schools who've been really good, Kansas beat Illinois on Friday night. K-State rolled it up on a Troy team that I think is better than people think. Uh, they're really good. Gosh, Te- Baylor's 0-2. Tech's 0-2. Houston's one and one. They lost to Rice. Uh, they lost to Rice, who people were mad about Texas. They lost to Rice in overtime. Break and up Rice the was house. Up big early, twenty-one nothing in that game. Break up Mike Bloomgren. Yeah. But the Big Twelve, especially in the great state, TCU got embarrassed by Colorado. Not good. Not yeah, but, good right now. And, and you got Oklahoma with Art Bryles on the sidelines. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, also the other way to look at it is, you know, a Big Twelve team just went on the road and beat Alabama. Uh, Colorado just went on the road and beat a Big <laughs> Ten team in already, ne- yeah. Nebraska. <laughs> You know, the Utah-Baylor game was a hard-fought Big 12 game, right? And so, like, you know, some of these things are, are you're, you're, it's friendly fire. Um, so, I think, I think you know, your Mark's a salesman. He can, he can spin this thing. You know, it, it all runs through Lubbock anyway. Yeah, it runs through Lubbock. Nice <laughs> line. Well, that's true. But the, the Oklahoma story is a big Don't clip that one. and send it to Joey McGuire. By the way, that's one to watch. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But that, that R. Bryles story at Oklahoma is such a weird deal that uh, Brett Venables' father-in-law is R. Bryles, or excuse me, Brett Venables. Jeff Levy, Brett Venables' offensive coordinator. Jeff Levy's married to Art Browse's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been for a while. This is yeah. not the new. Uh, but this is such an intriguing storyline that Art Browse all of a sudden, after the game, they beat SMU 28-11 to or whatever the final was, and um, pulled away late. They're 2-0 and now. Uh, but after the game, Art Browse came down onto the field to be, be with Jeff Levy and his grandkids and his, his daughter, and they took some pictures, and Oklahoma fans are not happy. Uh, and you know, you could say, well, they're overreacting. But then you see a statement from Joe Castiglione, the the athletic director at Oklahoma today, in which he was furious. I mean, you just read the statement. It's unambiguous. Yeah. Essentially saying, we had a deal. We'll hire you amidst all the Baylor allegations because we want you to coach our offense. But Art Bryles can't be a part of the deal. I don't care if he's your father-in-law, the father of your, your grandfather of your kids. He can't be here. And there he is. And Jeff Levy's almost flaunting it. That's a weird deal. Uh, you know, we saw Tom Herman get crossed with CDC here over the eyes of Texas and some other things. I mean, you can't go against 
because the statement from Joe Castiglione, when I say unambiguous, it said we had an agreement. So meaning we talked. Art Bryles was not to be a part of this deal. He's still radioactive in the college football world, rightfully so. Uh, I don't know how that plays out, but that is not a good situation for Oklahoma, who's off to a pretty good start. And this is why Art Bryles is radioactive, is the dismissive nature of of it all, right? And, and Lebby's kind of following that same playbook. Uh, uh, he kind of came out and gave an apology today, and you can tell that he was probably you know threatened with termination and, and stuff, but you know, still has the picture of it you know, on his Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, and it just feels... I don't know, like tone deaf. You know what I mean? It's well, just like yes, you know what sure. I mean, you know what your expectations are. Just follow the rules and get. Well, there's stay the, out of the emotional way. part of it, which is okay. Uh, he's your father. He's your the grandfather of your kids. I get it. He's it's it's the father of your wife. So mm-hmm. you're caught between that and your job. Your your wife loves her dad yeah. and probably thinks he got railroaded or whatever that conversation is. But you had an agreement with your boss. I mean, you can't just cross it. You can't just, like, not obey the rule, which goes back to everything that happened at Baylor. You right. can't just ignore rules and orders and agreements that you made that you're, and rules you're supposed to follow. That's not okay. And, again, that's why I bring up the Tom Herman CDC thing. You can't – I mean, that has to be a huge problem uh, with, with Joe Castiglione because the fan base is upset about it. And, you know, you hire him, you know it's coming with some, some baggage, a lot of baggage. And then he's like almost sticking his sticking his finger in your face, saying, "Yeah, I, I heard you, but yeah. as you said, I'm, I, I, he's my he's the father of my grandfather of my kids." This is why you don't hire him. You know, that's why you don't hire Kendall Bryles. That's why because you, like, you're just asking for this kind of stuff, right? I mean, and, and and they've never taken full responsibility what's happened at Baylor, and and they all continue to get passes and get new jobs and then to do stuff like this. Only Art, yep. Um, and they were it, on that staff too, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, right. And, and you know, and Art's coached high school football, and there's some schools that if their fan base is well out, they, they would hire Art, right? So, like, those guys are going to get jobs. Um, but it just, like I said, it just seems tone deaf, uh, stubborn, and, uh, you know, just the thing that always bothers me with coaches when they do this stuff is they just preach to their players about, like, not providing distractions, and they just kill guys anytime that they create a distraction. And then you go and you do this, right? I mean, this is as big a distraction as you get. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And again, if, if Art Bryles came to the game, was in the stands. Yeah, put him in a suite. Tell him to stay up there. That's fine. I mean, no one's going to see him. It's okay. But to have him on the field wearing an Oklahoma, yeah, look like bad. a staff shirt, right. the hat. The optics of it are bad. He, he looked, I mean, and now the conversation, are they trying to bring him in as a coach? Is he using right. him as an offensive resource? That's where Castiglione is pushing back, and rightfully so. Uh, we won't even get into the Mel Tucker situation because now there's tangential things happening with the Baylor situation and now Mel- Michigan State. But last thing, Mike, and then we'll wrap it up, the Pac-12 killing it. Uh, ironically, maybe the best year in its history and its last year is it's a dying conference. What do they have? Eight team rank, eight teams ranked right now in the mm-hmm. top twenty-five. Eight of the top twenty-five, uh, including USC in the top ten. Oregon beat Texas Tech. Uh, Colorado is the story of college football. And then you've got some really quality teams like Washington State and Washington, who I think is a sleeper team for the college football playoff. But I don't, you know, Utah just beat Baylor. They're two and zero with wins over Baylor and Florida. It's just and the quarterback play is maybe we've never seen a conference with this de- this depth of quarterbacks. But um, can they can can anybody run the? T- it's the opposite of Texas. Texas should be able to run the table in this Big Twelve. I don't know if anybody can do that in the uh, in the Pac twelve right now. Yeah, it's like last year. I think a lot of people saw USC as a dark horse to get to the college football playoff because their road was so easy, and Texas kind of has that. They passed their their big tests, and now they just have to to prevent themselves from stubbing a toe. But the Pac twelve is like a murderous row, and it just shows that quarterback play is so important. The SEC is down this year because they don't have good quarterback play. 
and the Pac-12 is up because they have really good quarterback Elite quarterback play. play. Yeah. yeah, those are there's there's four or five future, you know, first round, second round draft picks playing quarterback out in the Pac-12. And the Shadur Sanders story and is zero huge. in the SEC. And the well, yeah, you're right. And Shadur Sanders is something else. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. guy is such a good player. Uh, to poise. I mean, he's kind of carrying that team, to, you know, kind of willing them because they, they got holes. They got deficiencies. Yeah. Now, the, the quarterback disparity between he and Jeff Sims, the Nebraska quarterback, was like, holy cow. I've never seen – I mean, Jeff Sims at Nebraska was awful. Like, like I mean, he, he not only was he not giving his team a chance to win, he was, like, losing the game yeah. for his football team. Uh, and Shador Sanders just hasn't turned the ball over. They're not making penalties. They're a well-coached team. Uh, they're going to be scary. But now how about Colorado the next five weeks or four weeks? Colorado State this week, and that's game day. Game day is going to to be a part of that game, which is unbelievable. <laughs> then going to Oregon, yeah. and then back home for USC. They're going to be center stage for the next three weeks, and boy, it gets tougher. That's a tough grind. But man, what a shot of adrenaline for college football that Deion Sanders has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's become a show. I mean, Big Fox Noon kickoff was at the TCU game, then they were at the Nebraska game. Now game day is coming there. First take is host is having a day there or whatever. I saw that when I was at the gym earlier today. So uh, he's probably the most independently famous person to ever enter college football on his own. And he's kind of doing it in a way like he's thumbing his nose at the way that we normally do college football building. Because like Matt Rule came into Nebraska and he wants to do it the old school way. Dion came in is doing it the new school way, blew it up, went through the transfer portal, and you can see who's in front right now. Um, and so I, I think not only is Dion Sanders winning, but he's like providing a new blueprint of how you do college football. It's a it's amazing to watch in real time. Yeah, as he says, we're not coming, we're here. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, and, the guy uh, wins, man. And he said, I'm not. I just win. I'm not. I'm a winner. Yeah. I'm a winner. We're gonna win. He's like willing his program. It's pretty. We incredible. all know guy. We all know people like that. I agree. Who like who just like they're successful at whatever they do. Like they're and just he good does at it at an elite level. And that's just who he is. He just has this self belief that he just walks through fire and he gets to the other side and he looks like a prophet because he just has that belief in himself and it, it, it will him can motivate to, his team. It's amazing, and, and man. He, that that pregame speech for TCU was amazing. I mean, it gave yeah. you goosebumps. Like he well, he is the, that guy. And the speeches you saw for him last week. Ripping his team, getting them back up, motivating them to not get, uh, which is what Sark needs to be right now for the Longhorns. Do not let this thing slide. All right, great stuff. Uh, It's a great college football start. Longhorns are off to what could be a special season. We're excited to be covering it for you here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Also, the other big stories around college football. Thank you, Mike. Where are you going this week? I am at TCU at Houston, Houston's first Big 12 game. All right. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing about that. Uh, how was your trip to Lubbock, by the way? Uh, Oregon beat them. That was a wild game. That was a wild game. I, I lost a bet on that because it was a backdoor cover, 31 to 30. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's 38 to yeah. 30. The, yeah. the dreaded <laughs> backdoor cover late in the game with 10 seconds to go. But what's the problem with uh, Texas Tech and Joy McGuire? Oh, well, they turn the ball over four times. And, and they don't and, run the ball very they well. Don't, they don't run the ball very well unless it's the quarterback. Tyler Shuck, the quarterback, had 100 yards rushing, I think. Everybody else combined for about 15. You know, And so uh, you can't bench him even though he's turning the ball over because he's pretty much the whole offense right now and so i just think they they lack playmakers they just haven't gotten enough recruits in there and you know it's still it feels like joey's been there for multiple years but that was his 14th game as the head or 15th game as the head coach at at texas tech um and so i i just think he needs another recruiting class or two kind of like sark in his in his first and second what did you think of oregon yeah, I mean, uh, Bo Nix is the real deal. Like he, he's a he's a real football player. Like it's just so funny how like we had written him off at Auburn, and now that looks more like an Auburn problem. He needed to get out of Auburn. Uh, he, yeah, he's he's a he's an example of why the transfer portal is good. 
right? Like he's going to become a millionaire in a way that maybe he wouldn't have at Auburn because he got a fresh start. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm real close with the OC at Auburn, Will Stein, who was at Lake Travis for a couple of years before he took off in college. So it, it was fun to see them. They're an exciting team for sure. A lot of athletes. All right. Good stuff. And so Mike, uh, for Dave Campbell, Sex will be at a different stadium in the state of Texas every week this year. He was at TCU, then Lubbock, now going to Houston for Texas for Houston and uh, Texas Tech yeah. this week. Uh, so we'll have more of that. And any big stories dropping this week from Dave Campbell's Texas football? Yeah, tomorrow, well, I guess when this podcast has already been out, there will be one on, on the website about Sonny Dykes and, and Dana Holgerson and their relationship and how it dates back to, to being wide receiver coaches under Mike Leach and just his influence on that game on the Big 12 and, uh, and on college football in general. All right, and if you're a fan of uh, G.J. Kenney and Texas State, great story last week about G.J., his rise, his relationship with Jeff Trailer, all that went on with his father, and uh, it's a really, really great story. Great writing, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy that, I promise you. Uh, we love having Mike. Uh, one of the Eyes on Texas multicast helped put this together, the product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by Grande Equipment. I'm Aaron Hogan. Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, doing great work with all the highlights and uh, sound from Sark, our executive producer who edits it and puts it together is our buddy uh, Griffin Hogan. Their incredible work again this week. Special uh, shout out to everybody who's tuning in on now two broadcasts, two broadcasts every week. Also our founding partners, of course, uh, Carlos Carrion, uh, the TexasMortgageGuy.com, Hay City Store in Driftwood and the Taste on Main in Buda, One Source Gas of Central Texas, and Dr. Greg Eckert. My beautiful new smile that I'm so proud of. Appreciate him, Dr. Yu, and his Brain Vault technology as well. Grande Equipment, of course, is our presenting sponsor. Find them at grandeequipment.com. This is the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. Available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbells and the Horn and Austin YouTube channels. It's available for download through iTunes and Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Let's do this again next week or on, uh, on Thursday, Mike. We'll preview the Wyoming game. Hook them. <laughs>